Hello and welcome to another episode of Kingdom Talk with Coach Tandy. My name is Tandy Domingo and I am a Kingdom Life Coach. So a lot of people ask me, what is a Kingdom Life Coach? So I am a certified life coach, right? I am certified to be a life coach generally. But what I did after being certified and after walking a certain route, um, a certain journey, in my life coaching business, I decided that I want to venture rather into being a kingdom life coach instead and be specific about the principles and the solutions that come from the Bible because number one, I am a Christian and I believe in everything that the Bible says to do. I believe in the sovereignty of the Bible. I believe in the guidance of the Bible. I believe in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And therefore, I wanted my business to marry into my beliefs. I wanted my business to marry into that which I truly believe focuses people in life, stabilizes people in life, and gives them a pathway of righteousness in life. And so I decided that I want to venture rather into being a kingdom life coach. So that's where I'm coming from when I say I am a kingdom life coach. So today I want us to tackle the big topic of how to grow spiritually. So in my walk with Christ and in my journey as a kingdom life coach, I often find people saying, how do I grow in Christ? How, the, what are the practical steps to growing in Christ, right? How do I ensure that my spiritual life is robust, growing, it's not stagnant. So a lot of people are asking these questions on a daily basis. How do I get this done? Practicality, right? We often hear um, or we are often told you must make your spiritual walk a priority. You must make sure that you grow spiritually. So it's jargon that we already know. So today I hope I will be able to unpack it for you and that it will be so simplified for you that you will be able to take it and apply it in your life. There are definitely certain tools that are available to you for spiritual growth that um, God has outlined in his word and you have to ensure that you incorporate them into your life if you want to have a robust spiritual life, a, a spiritual life that is growing, a spiritual life that is strong, right? So there's a couple of things that the Lord has shown us um, in his word um, in terms of how to grow spiritually. Okay, the first one I want to tackle is prayer, right? Prayer. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, we find Jesus teaching his disciples, and he says, and he's teaching on prayer, and he says, men ought always to pray, right? And that word men there, we obviously know that it's not just, um, it's not gender-based, it's men, mankind, right? Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. One of the tools that Jesus left us is the ability to connect with the Father in heaven, the ability to connect with him, the ability to connect with the Holy Spirit. And that tool is prayer. This is the only tool really that we are given, number one, to have communion and communication with Christ, with our Father in heaven. And number two, 
Prayer is given so that we are able to effect the kingdom of God here on earth. This is done through prayer, getting the Lord's heart for what he wants done here on earth because we have authority here on earth, but he's got the power. And so that partnership comes into play and becomes a reality through prayer. And number three, obviously, it's for legislation, right? We legislate on earth in the cosmos through prayer. So the tool one has to always put at the forefront, if you want to grow spiritually, is the tool of prayer. Just on prayer, I want to say that prayer is really a discipline. It's not a motivation. It's a discipline. So even people that you consider prayer warriors, right? People that you look at and you think, oh my God, your prayer life is so amazing. Your prayer life is so inspiring. Even those people have dips in their prayer life. Even those people not do not always wake up feeling like praying, but prayer has become a discipline. So this means that you have to schedule prayer into your daily life. You have to, because it's a discipline. It's, it's got nothing to do with motivation. You're not going to wait or sit and wait until you feel like praying. If you wait, if you sit and wait until you feel like praying, that day may never come. You have to start now and you have to make those decisions now to say, okay, in my day, how do I schedule my prayer time? How do I schedule my day in such a way that I've got 30 minutes, I've got an hour to pray? I mean, the Lord says, Jesus said to his disciples, can you not watch with me even for one hour? You know, that was for him the bare minimum of just staying with him and praying with him so if you if if you can set a, an hour in a day right and we should we should all be setting at least 30 minutes to an hour just to spend with the lord and make sure that our first meeting is with the love of our lives right our first meeting is with Christ Jesus, is with the Holy Spirit, is with the Father. So many of us wake up and the first thing you grab is your phone. The first thing you do is to turn to your partner, your child, you know, before you've even said anything to the Lord. And obviously, of course, there are times where life won't work that way, right? There are times where children will disrupt, husband will disrupt, right? But if you have scheduled time with the master, time with the Lord on a daily basis, even the people around you understand that this person is in a meeting with the love of her life, let her be. When she's done there, she, she will be able to come and connect with all of us, right? So it's important that you schedule, schedule prayer. Schedule because it's a discipline. And a discipline is cultivated and becomes consistent because it is scheduled and it is prioritized. So prioritize prayer. The second tool I want us to look at um, in order for us to grow spiritually is the tool of fasting. Fasting is another powerful tool for you to expand your spiritual growth, right? The Bible tells us in Proverbs 23 verse 2 that if you are a man given to appetite, right, put a knife to your throat. If you are a man who is given to appetite, put a knife to your throat. What does this mean? Does it mean we must kill ourselves? No, no, that's not what God is saying. But basically, the what that scripture means is that 
if you do not know how to control your appetite you are essentially committing suicide and we know that the appetite of food specifically is important right because our bodies are sustained by what we eat by what we feed them but we can get to a point where our spirits are not attuned to the voice of god because we are given to our appetites we are committing spiritual suicide because either the appetite of food is most important or the appetite of social media or the appetite of television or the appetite of sex whatever appetite has taken over in your life over the appetite of the word of god on a daily basis it can be food it can be tv it can be people it can be the appetite of 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 maybe you are arrogant right and you you feed on arrogance and your ego so appetites are different it's not just about food but one of the things that fasting does for a person is it regulates your appetites it causes you to be disciplined right and ever since i started fasting on a weekly basis there are appetites in my life that have become weaker as a result right because i have focused my appetite towards the love of god towards the word of god towards the work of god and fasting has helped me to do that it has helped me cultivate a disciplined life so fasting really regulates and harnesses your appetites and causes really your focus discipline wise to be upon the word of god upon the love of god upon the work of god one of the ways that fasting grows us as human beings in our spiritual walk is that <clears throat> fasting can uproot age old captivities that have been in our lives right so for instance you're struggling with something and it's been there maybe let's let's talk about delay or maybe let's talk about an evil covenant an evil altar that is speaking against you if you just pray and you do not use all the tools that the lord has given you right fasting being one of them there are things that the bible that jesus himself has told us move because of fasting right in the book of matthew chapter 17 in the verse 21 the 21st verse it reads as follows however this kind right it does not go out except by prayer and fasting this is after the 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 disciples were so exasperated because they wanted to emulate the casting out of demons that that jesus does and jesus just walks in and cast the demons out and the demons leave and so obviously they feel discouraged and they feel disappointed they feel like why did we not get the same result that jesus was getting and jesus says there's things in our lives that do not move and will not move except through prayer and fasting so if you want to reach a certain level of growth in your life you have to engage in prayer and fasting on a weekly basis you have to at least set a day apart set two days apart set three days apart depending on the gravity of what you are dealing with right set days apart for you to fast and focus your attention on the lord and remove your attention 
on the other appetites of your life, the appetite of employment, the appetite of a thriving business, the appetite of a thriving marriage, or the appetite of even finding a, a partner to share your life with. These things in and of themselves are not wrong, and these are some of the blessings that God bestows upon us. However, we have to cultivate the discipline of prayer and fasting to move ourselves ahead in our spiritual lives and in our natural lives in the name of Jesus. Okay, the next tool in the pathway of growing spiritually is the study of the Word of God. You cannot grow without the Word of God. The Word of God has plans and purposes and intents of God's heart and mind in it. If you do not open the Word of God or you open the Word of God maybe just once in a week, it is difficult for you to create a pathway to spiritual growth. He exalts his word over his name and every word that he has spoken will not return to him void. So if you want your pathway to spiritual growth, if you want your life to change, you have to engage the Word of God. now. I understand and I know that the Word of God is not easy to read. Sometimes you open it and you don't understand the thing that you are reading or you don't have the revelation. The revelation of the Word of God was not meant to be something that is accessible just to anyone who opens the Word because sometimes we open the Word with unbelief. Other people open the Word so that they are able to refute others or other Christians about it. The Word of God is meant to build us and it's meant to cause us to help build other people. Not to refute certain things in people, not to judge people with it, but to grow people and edify people with it. Starting with yourself. So why is the Word of God so important? Because the Word of God has creative power. It is creative power itself. The Word of God is Jesus himself. In the beginning was the word, John 1 tells us, and the word was manifested in the flesh, and that flesh we now know that it was Jesus himself manifested. So the word of God has creative abilities. If you do not know the word of God, it will be difficult for you to create the reality of your Christian walk with the Lord. Because one of the ways you create your Christian walk and you create the realities that the Bible speaks about is through decreeing the word of God. And I'll come to that because that is another tool, decree, right? And so the word of God is essential for you to know and to understand and to consistently get revelation out of, right? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 reads as follows, For the word of God is living and powerful, and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit. It knows how to divide your spirit from your soul so that your soul can align itself to what your spirit already knows. So the Bible says, even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So when you read the word of God, it mirrors back to you the thoughts and the intents of your heart. You might be doing something and the motivation is, is wrong. 
Half the time you will not know that until the word of God tells you that. It mirrors that back to you. That what you are doing is great, but you are doing it with wrong motivations. The intents of your heart are incorrect. And then the Holy Spirit changes that. But it starts with the word of the Lord. And yes, it's true that sometimes when you read the Bible, it's... Um, it feels like it's so confusing it feels like it's so contradictory um, this is why you never read the Bible without inviting the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible and he is the one that is able to bring revelation knowledge and tell you what the meaning of what you are reading is right in Revelations chapter 5 verse 1 um, and we're reading until verse 6 it tells us the following. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back. It was sealed with seven seals. The Bible is a sealed book. That's why the Bible says of itself that the word of God is foolishness to those that are perishing. Have you asked yourself why is it foolishness to those that are perishing? What is it that we are seeing in the Bible that others are not seeing? When you come to the Lord, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there's things that he starts revealing, right? There's a pathway that he starts walking you through. And, that, and for many of us also, there's a pathway that we used to mock when we, when we were not born again, right? That's a pathway that we used to think, oh my goodness, what is that? Um, those Christians are crazy. You know, what are those people doing? Even in, in, in our infancy in Christianity, there's things that we did not understand that we used to mock and we used to talk about with very little understanding. This is why I really <clears throat> just walk your journey. I've learned to just walk my journey and allow the Lord to just reveal what he needs to reveal to me on a daily basis because we are all growing and not mock what I will one day realize oh my god was the truth <laughs> um, you know so so the Bible is a sealed book and the Bible in verse 3 says in verse 3 of chapter 5 of Revelations right and no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able able to open the scroll or to look at it do you see do you see how much value God puts in the Bible that he says it I will not unlock the scroll because it's so it's because it is so important I will not just unlock it to anyone right you must seek and you will find him so in verse 4 he says so I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it but one of the elders said to me do not weep behold the lion of the tribe of judah the root of david himself has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals the bible says of itself that it has seven seals and one day i'll, I'll teach on the seven seals verse six and i looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living Christ four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. So the Bible has been unlocked to those that have come to God and say, Lord, 
I want to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. And Lord, open the book for me because you can, you can have the book opened, literally, physically opened, but it's not opened to you. But let me show you a scripture to that effect. So Matthew 13 verse 13 reads as follows, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, right? You can see, you can open the Bible and look at it and read it and logically you understand the words. But the Bible says that scripture was written by men who were inspired by the Holy Ghost. So even what they were writing, they were being foretold. So even what they were writing, they were being told by the Holy Spirit on what to write. And so if we want to unlock our understanding, unlock revelation, we have to ask the Holy Spirit to be the one that unlocks scripture unto us. And so the fourth tool of growth that you can employ in your pathway to spiritual growth is praying in the Holy Spirit praying in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 14 reads as follows. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit is praying, right? Because you are three-dimensional, you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body. So when you pray in the understanding, it's a matter of your, your soul and your spirit praying right but and 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 it can be limiting right because there's things that you don't know and you could also just be praying amiss when you are praying in the understanding right but i want to implore you that when you pray in the understanding pray scripture pray scripture you can never go wrong with praying scripture but the bible says if you pray in a tongue, your spirit prays, but your understanding is unfruitful, but you are praying unto the Lord, right? You're praying mysteries unto the Lord. So if you want to grow, if you want a pathway to spiritual growth, this is one of the tools that you can employ in your life to pray in the spirit. Yes, it feels awkward. Yes, it feels weird all the time even to date and i mean i pray in the holy spirit every day it still feels awkward and yet i know the bible is true that when it says i pray mysteries unto the lord yes my understanding is unfruitful but my spirit is the one that's praying and it's connecting with the lord and the lord is downloading things into my spirit sometimes when i'm looking for the next level of life when i'm looking for the next pathway when i'm looking for revelation on a certain matter and my understanding has brought me up to a certain point where i cannot pass I stay in praying in the spirit because as I pray in the spirit, the Lord is downloading mysteries unto me, into my spirit. I wake up one day with an idea. I wake up one day with a thought. I wake up one day with something concrete that leads me in the pathway and it's the strategy of the Holy Spirit because I have accessed it through praying in the Holy Spirit. If you are not able to pray in tongues, ask the Holy Spirit to give you and baptize you with the gift of tongues. It's a gift that one gets from the Holy Spirit himself. You cannot be taught to pray in the Spirit. I cannot say to you, say, ah, and ha, rava, shata. I cannot, I cannot teach you to do that. Nobody can. And if someone is saying to you, let me teach you how to do it, here's, here's the method. You say, eh, eh, ha, sa, ka, ba, sha. 
run away my sister, run away my brother. Nobody can teach you, can teach you how to speak in tongues. You can be prayed for, your hands can be laid on, on, on you for you to receive the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That can happen, but nobody can teach you and take you through tongue speaking school. If they are doing that, they are not teaching you um, Holy Spirit tongues. You are receiving tongues from the evil one. The Holy Spirit tongues, you can receive them in the comfort of your home and sit there and just say, Holy Spirit, baptize me. Holy Spirit, baptize me. Um, one of the ladies I prayed for and with the one time because she wanted the gift of the Holy Spirit, I prayed with her um, and nothing happened, obviously, in the beginning. And she went back to her life, normal life. And one day as she was praying, praying in the understanding, she prayed so much that she unlocked her tongues. She unlocked her tongues and she was able to speak in tongues by herself while she was engaging the Holy Spirit. So ask the Holy Spirit, if you want the gift of speaking in tongues, ask the Holy Spirit, do not be led astray. In the name of Jesus, amen. So the primary way that Satan attacks us first is to attack our spiritual life. Once he's attacked our spiritual life, then he's got easy entrance into the rest of our lives. But make no mistake, Satan does not attack your health first. He does not attack your marriage first. He does not attack your children, your finances first. He first attacks your spiritual life, right? And one of the tools that the Lord has given us is the tool of praise and worship. I want to read a scripture for you. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22 reads as follows. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. What a powerful, powerful scripture that instructs us and tells us the benefits of praise and worship. That there are wars, right? That there are battles that we can only win if we employ the tool of praise and worship. The Bible says, um, when you have done all to stand, so how do you sometimes stand after you've prayed, after you've fasted, <clears throat> after you've made declarations, after you've had faith, you've taken faith steps, how do you stand? You stand in praise and worship and we see consistently a thread of winning through praise and worship in the Bible. And this is just one scripture that identifies that or that showcases that. That when they begin to sing and to praise, the Lord himself set ambushes against those who had come against them, right? And those people were defeated, whether they were supernatural agents or whether they were natural agents. You know, sometimes people are dealing with issues that they are not even aware of spiritually. Sometimes there's a witchcraft attack against you and you have no idea where this came from, why it's there, who's advocating it, who's, um, who's commanding it towards you. But you don't need to know the Lord knows, right? You need to employ the tool of praise and worship, especially when you realize that your spiritual life 
is kind of becoming lukewarm. Your Bible reading has become lukewarm. Your prayer life has become lukewarm. Your fasting has become lukewarm. You are no longer the you are no longer vibrant in your spiritual life. Employ praise and worship. The, the Bible says praise and worship also removes the garment of heaviness, right? So sometimes we feel heavy, we feel overwhelmed, we feel a lot of things because life has really happened to us. Employ the tool of praise and worship and watch how God just scatters those that have come against you, including Satan himself. Okay, tool number six to ensuring that your spiritual life is maturing and growing is to decree God's word. Decree God's word, right? What does it mean to decree God's word? It means to say what God say you must say right if you see it in the word if the word says i'm blessed and you look at your life your life is not reflective of the blessing of the lord the bible says we are not to complain we ought to decree and i want to show you how god feels about decreeing and how god feels about complaining okay so in joel j-o-e-l joel or jewel i don't know how you pronounce it but that's how i pronounce it in the book of joel chapter 3 verse 10 reads as follows beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and let the weak say i am strong let the weak say i am strong does this mean that the weak must deny that they are weak the, the weak must talk about their weakness. No, the Bible clearly says, if you are weak, if you're feeling a certain way, say the opposite. Say, I am strong. This is not denialism. This is creative power at play, right? Our words are so important. Our words are so crucial. Our words are so prophetic that the Lord does not want us to waste them because words can either create death or they create life, but they are creating nonetheless. And that's why we have to be aware of the words that we speak, right? Our words must intentionally, with intention, create life. And that's why you are not denying, but you are saying, I can see the issue in my life. I can see that I'm still plagued with masturbation. I can see that I'm still addicted to cigarettes. I can see that I'm still addicted to men or women. I can see that I'm still addict addicted to fornication. I can see all these things. I can see the poverty in my life. I can see the delay in my life. I can see the denial, right? However, in terms of what I will create with my mouth, I will create that which I want to come to pass, not that which already is, right? Because if it already is and you continue to say it, you are intentionally creating over and over the same thing that you are living in and it becomes a prophecy that keeps repeating itself over and over. When you see what you do not like, create with your mouth what you like and what you want. Speak the word of God. That even translates to your own spiritual life. If you feel like, oh my goodness, I'm such an ant in my spiritual walk. That's what you see, right? But what you ought to speak, what you ought to create with your mouth is, I am a giant in my spiritual walk. And that ultimately becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy as as you continue to say it continue to say it it's creating the life that you want 
right? And, and you partner it with faith actions, it becomes a reality in your life. You partner it with prayer, with fasting, with decreeing, all these things that, that I've taught you thus far, then it becomes a reality in your life. God does not like complaining because complaining is equal to creating death. Complaining is equal to creating death. And God does not want us complaining. Let me show you a scripture that admonishes us from complaining. So in Numbers chapter 11 verse 1, it reads as follows. Now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. It displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it and his anger was aroused. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some in the outskirts of the camp. Complaining displeases the Lord because you are made in his image. And in Christ you are both king and you are priest. And one of the duties of being a king is decreeing a thing and it shall be so. So the word of the king the Bible tells us has power. You are a king and therefore you need to treat your words as such. Your words matter. When your words are released, they go into creating and your words matter. And so one of the ways for you to grow even in your spiritual walk with Christ is to watch your words. Decree a word of God. Decree the revealed word of God. Decree the written word of God. Train your tongue to not speak death in the name of Jesus. So the seventh way to grow in your spiritual life is to fellowship with other believers, right? Find your tribe. I know there's a lot of things that happen in the body of Christ and sometimes we decide to isolate ourselves because we want to keep our peace, we want to keep our joy, we want to protect our spirit. Sometimes we even want to protect our relationship with the Lord because of what is happening in the body of Christ. Sometimes we've experienced so much deceit, we've experienced so much pain in the body of Christ that we do not want to, that we do not want to fellowship with others, but we want to rather stay in isolation. No one was created for isolation and a denomination is not the body of Christ. A denomination is part of the body of Christ. The Lord says we should not neglect the assembling together of the saints. The saints are found everywhere. They're not found in one denomination. They are found everywhere. And so if you've gone through a tough time in the church, if you've, if you've experienced church hurt, and as a result, there's a denomination that you can no longer be part of, there's many other denominations around. There's many other denominations around that God can plant you in, that God can put you in a family. So do not use the excuse of church hurt to be isolated. Do not be isolated in your Christian walk. We learn so much from one another. God has created us to cultivate our independence in him, but, but he's also created us to cultivate our interdependence on one another through serving one another. So it is in the midst of the believers, in the midst of the saints, where you will even find your ability, that you will even find your destiny, your serving destiny, because everyone is created to God and to people, to God, to serve God, 
and to serve people from that place of understanding and serving God. So do not neglect the assembling together of the saints. So the eighth tool to grow in the Lord is giving. It's sacrifice, right? So whenever we start speaking about giving and sacrificing, people immediately think it's just about money. Actually, money is the least of it. What you ought to give, what you ought to sacrifice is yourself, right? The Bible says you must be the sacrifice that you put upon the altar. You and then everything else about you, right? Your time, your resources, everything else about you then comes. But if you are not there, if your heart is not into the altar and you are giving of yourself to God and to people, it's so easy for you to become a swamp. It's so easy for you to receive and receive and receive and you just become a swamp. So the Bible says about giving in Proverbs 11 verse 24, there is one who scatters yet increases more, right? Like it does not even make sense. What does that mean? One who scatters, one who gives liberally. And yet this person continues to increase, the Bible tells us. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. So if you, and, and that poverty does not just speak to financial poverty, you can be poor in spirit, right? You can be poor relationally because you are not pouring out, you are not scattering yourself, right? You're not scattering yourself to other people, you're not scattering yourself to productivity, you're not scattering yourself to excellence, and so you have poverty in your life, not just financial, but in many other ways poverty can, in many other ways can poverty be explained, right? So one of the ways to really increase yourself is to pour yourself out, is to pour your time out, is to pour your, your resources into the kingdom of God. God says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33, seek first my kingdom and all these other things shall be added. One of the ways to seek first God's kingdom is to bless God's kingdom with the gifts and the talents and the resources and the person that you are, that God has called you to be. And these all in effect, all in play, God gives us a promise that when you scatter, you will increase more. So if you want increase in every area of your life, including your spiritual life, scatter yourself, give, be a giver. And if you do not have the spirit of giving, right? Because one can be plagued by a spirit of selfishness and a spirit of hoarding because of how you grew up because of the experiences that you got and now you don't want to give because at the back of your mind you just feel that yo I gave I gave to that relationship and things didn't work out I gave to that friendship things didn't work out I gave to that church and things didn't work out I gave to this charity and things didn't work out and so those experiences have caused the word of God to be null and void in your life and you have closed yourself to giving. But today the Lord says, learn again to give. Pray for the spirit of giving to come upon you again. Because it's not easy to give, right? It's really, it's, it's not an easy thing. Really, literally, one of the things that I have to do for myself is to pray for myself. Lord, make me a giver. Make me a giver all the time this is a spirit right just like selfishness is a spirit just like hoarding is a spirit giving is also a spirit and we must actively pray 
to be givers into the kingdom of God. So the last tool that you can employ in your pathway to success, in your pathway to growing in the Lord, is to share Jesus with others. This causes you to grow in the sense that sometimes you share Jesus with others and they ask you really potent questions that you can't answer in that moment. It's, you can say to someone, I, that's a really good question. I have no idea um, about your question right now. Let me go and find out. And when you go and find out, this is how you unravel sometimes revelation and you, you keep growing. But sharing Jesus with others is the most important tool most important tool to growing right if you are so happy that god saved you if you are so happy with the revelation of who jesus is to you why wouldn't you share it with others if you know the end of any life without jesus is is the pit of hell why wouldn't you share it with jesus yes people will humiliate with people sorry yes people will humiliate you sometimes people will mock you sometimes they will say um do you think you're better than us um you know they'll say all they'll say all types of things that's not the concern the concern is did you share jesus with them and the bible says if you've shared jesus with them the bible says you must dust the soil from your feet right and wash your hands and say i've done my part i've done my part but we don't we share with love also we don't share with judgment we share with love okay share jesus with the people in your life and yes some will accept him some will not accept him that's just the nature of things people will not all accept and receive what you are saying and then just pray for them Pray that, Lord, the seed that I've sown in their lives, water it and let it grow in the name of Jesus. And maybe someone, and maybe they will not be converted by me, but the seed has been planted. And maybe that seed will be watered one day when they are somewhere and someone preaches about Jesus. And that seed will be watered and they will accept Jesus. But it does not exempt you from talking about Jesus. We should not be undercover Christians. We should be open and bold about our Jesus. The world is very open and bold about everything that they do. Why are you hiding the light of the world? Why are you hiding that one thing that everybody needs, whether they know it or not? Share Jesus. And watch also how as you share Jesus, your own life is transformed. Your own spiritual life is transformed. Your own boldness grows. That the Lord has blessed you through this teaching and that your spiritual life will continue to grow and you will continue to shine, right? And you will take it one day at a time. In a quick recap, I just want to speak again about the nine tools. The first one is prayer. The second one, fasting. Third one, Bible study. Fourth, praying in the Holy Ghost. Fifth, praise and worship. Sixth, decreeing God's word. Seventh, fellowship with other believers. Find your tribe. Find your tribe in the kingdom of God. The eighth is giving. Number nine is evangelism or speaking about Jesus. I really pray that this has blessed you and that this will accelerate you in the name of Jesus in your spiritual walk. And when your spiritual walk is accelerated, it affects every other area of your life positively. Be blessed and I'll see you next time. Bye.